Been thinking about what you asked. That case haunts me. Still wish I'd listened to you and never done that story, but water and bridges, right? The last one I got from him had a P.O. Box return address somewhere in bumfuck Kentucky. Any idea what he could be doing down there? Have any of you seen the news today? Sure, media is a sporific feast, proffered to the ready masses, but today is a signifier. Yesterday's outre event is today's exercise in mediocrity. Celebrity Tumor presents Delivery Sean, allow me to begin with an apology. As you've no doubt suspected, I've not been well, and I'm forced to send this to you via audio. I feel absolutely dreadful having to resort to such an impersonal mode of communication. As you know, I fancy a quill. I am uncertain, however. Uh... I imagine I never told you about the brief time I worked as a courier. This would have been in the late 90s, if memory serves. Decades ago, Sean. Before the launch of that now-notorious enterprise that quickly sent our shared reputations down a spiraling descent. Long story short, I'd returned to that city of our youth following my stint abroad in Europe and was, to be blunt, penniless. I had encountered an acquaintance one day who introduced me to a courier service, presently hiring. Let me just say that a few short months into this gig, I began to rack up some interesting interaction whilst bringing parcels to and fro. In my mind, I refer to these as incidents and nothing more. I would like to tell you about one, if you'll allow me. I just picked up a small cubic package from a dingy warehouse deep in that southern county of ill repute. Not the first time I'd picked up something from this questionable operation. I'd become quite friendly with some of the staff. Bert, who appeared at first to be the only one in on this day, hopped down from his forklift when he saw me approach. This hopping motion caused his tragically distended belly to jiggle beneath the olive polo. How you doing, buddy? He bellowed. Fine, Bert. Just fine. Yourself? Getting by! Getting by! Barked Bert. He motioned me over towards the back office and I followed. At this point, I could see sinewy shadows move in a swaying motion beneath the sick, fluorescent bulb. Stan's got it back here for some reason, 
Bert shrugged. I didn't comment. You see, Sean, I have become accustomed to variance in this new job. Wouldn't let me bring it to the front yesterday. Bert stopped in front of the back office door and knocked on the crudely painted particle board. Then, Bert looked back at me. I asked him, you know. The door opened and there stood Stan. A sour musk emanated from him. The kind of stink you get off a fat man on a bender. Only Stan wasn't fat. Quite the opposite. Stan was scrawny on a good day, and today wasn't good. He wavered a bit as well. It seemed like perhaps he'd dropped some pounds since I'd last seen him. I'd say he looked a bit green or jaundiced, but I assume it was that regrettable fluorescent. Hiya, Stan. I attempted enthusiasm, though I presume it came off forced. Hey. Stan wheezed. He turned away from us and weakly bent over to retrieve something. His polo shirt rode up a bit, and I swear as lord's my witness, his skin seemed to glisten. Stan returned with a box. The package itself was nondescript, except for that it was a perfect cube. Otherwise, it was the standard cardboard most items are encased in for delivery purposes. I handed my clipboard over to him, and he passed me the box. As Stan scribbled as John Hancock, I noticed the box was unusually cold. Not because this was autumn or due to the perpetual chill these warehouse back offices seemed to ward. The box seemed to foment a freeze. Jesus H. Christ, Stan. What the hell's in here? Stan stared at me with those sunken eyes and slowly shook his head. I know you're supposed to tell a story closer to the end, but I thought this might be important. Perhaps it is. The address Stan gave me was way out in the West End, and I found the neighborhood without too much difficulty. By this stage of my courier career, I could manhandle a paper map with the best of them. I parked the station wagon on the side of the suburban road because the house lay at the bottom of a hill, and the driveway was daunting. The station wagon was an old Toyota, and I was somewhat skeptical of its ability to scale a steep terrain. There were no cars in the driveway, which immediately struck me as a lost cause, but I had to try. I marched my ass down that steep gravel, over the flagstones, and onto the porch. There was this preternatural stillness in the neighborhood. No barking dogs, no bird calls, complete silence. The house was a run-down split level, with the basement windows exposed towards the back. Cheap beige siding riddled with that noxious green mold and mildew you see in these climates clung to the exterior. Not a power washer in sight. Next to the dilapidated screen door with its tattered screen was a water-damaged paper note under one of those intercom speakers that were all the rage back then. The ink had run after God knows how many brutal rains, but I could make out Use Rear Intercom. So I made my way off the porch. Who am I to question such clear directions? Friend, I'm compelled to tell you a couple things before I speak of what I found out back. The first noteworthy point was that all the windows, and I mean any glass no matter how small, was covered from the inside with a yellowing newsprint. 
The other significant point was there was an old cuddy cabin boat at the end of that weed-infested driveway. Admittedly, it was covered with a tarp, but I could see the barnacled bottom on the decaying trailer with its tires flat and cracked. This was the kind of lower middle class luxury you often see lingering in the West End. But I don't have to explain that to you, old friend. Around back wasn't any rosier. Wild, unkept yard complete with derelict swing set and upturned plastic tricycle complemented the heap of debris under a high rotting deck. Now, this was a nice autumn day. 70 degrees Fahrenheit, or 21 degrees if you live anywhere else in the world, and no breeze. That box hadn't gotten any warmer and was beginning to numb my fingers, so I set it down. I stretched my back a bit and noticed the two intercoms next to the utility box. They were identical and gave no indication of preference or function. Neither were any instructions left like in the front. Out of instinct, I went for the one on the right. Upon pushing the button, I was hit abruptly with an eruption of hideous static which seemed to incubate a mournful cacophony of wails, screams, and gurgly sounds. I stepped back, stunned. The intercom on the left blasted. Use this intercom. Not being one to cause trouble, I pressed the button on the left one and stated, Delivery? This puzzled me. Were they referring to the box I had brought or to some other cubic entity? Jutting from the dusty ground was a basement window below the intercoms. As with the other windows, the view was obscured by newsprint. However, the newspaper here was wet. Additionally, the paper had come loose at a corner and revealed, only by three inches or so, an interior. It is at this point my memory clouds. I do enjoy the mental calm of middle age at present, but am not impressed with the general integrity of my memories, to be perfectly blunt. That gap was a deep and penetrating black. I remember it seemed liquid. The image my mind brings forth is one of a deep and black depth in that basement, as if the entirety of the space below was filled with dark water. Had it been flooded in some forgotten torrent? The occasionally thin line of bubbles rose from far below. I recall thinking that this section of the house must have been converted into some kind of aquatic environment and puzzled over how one could achieve such a feat. This secondary burst rattled me and began to look around frantically. Previously, I'd been squarely focused on the amount of rubbish and cardboard piled chaotically under the deck. On second survey, I noticed it. The sharp and shiny black corners jutted out at uncomfortable angles just above the top railing. It appeared to be a large black cube. I was not able to make out much more from the ground except that I could see now that buried behind and beneath the old sonar and scuba gear was some large piping which seemed to begin just below the deck floor and curve into the lower floor of the house. I dare say a sluice or leet, and yet 
appeared entirely undamaged, unlike the house. How the hell was I supposed to know this was the right box? Now, I skilled myself and picked up the package. It was still freezing, perhaps even colder now, and I swear I could smell a hint of stale cotton candy coming off of it. I needed to get this thing done. If you can recollect, I didn't have much time in those days. Time is money in the logistics profession. First step groaned under my weight, and I wasn't so big back then. An absolute waif, if you recall. The second step actually cracked a bit, and I thought momentarily that it might give. The stairs were steep, and clearly this wood had never been treated. I'd say there were about fifteen or so steps. The eighth one did split, and I nearly fell, just catching myself on the rail and acquiring a nasty splinter as reward. In addition to the sudden terror of possibly falling to injury, I was struggling with the package itself. Whatever it contained was prone to sloshing around inside, like there must be liquid, but also something within the liquid, something alive. On the deck, the black box was enormous, much bigger than I reckoned from the ground. It also had a brilliant shine to it. A circular hatch with a small handle adorned the top. It had a numeric keyboard with dark green buttons, a Sacramento hue more or less. Burst the voice again from a new intercom. This deck intercom was oddly placed on the top rail nearest the house, sitting on a two-by-four as if the wiring must go through the inside of the lumber. I walked over to the railing. What? Three, one, one, two, zero, one, one. It dawned on me slowly that this must be the combination for the black box. I scrambled from my pen and wrote the digits as quickly as I could on the back of my left hand. Spinning on the ball of my left foot, I returned to the black box. Feverishly hammering in the numbers, I could feel something spasm in the package as if a new enthusiasm had jolted. Things were moving inside the black box as well. Mechanical things. Gears could be heard reverberating within the dark cube and clanging sounds punctuated these. A final crunch the latch unlocked. I opened the black box. The inside was as smooth and shiny as the outside. Featureless would be accurate. I placed that damn freezing package inside. Barked the intercom. I slammed the hatch down, and another crunch confirmed it latched again. Beneath the deck, an unsettling, flappy sound spiraled downward, like fins violently hitting the side of an empty silo. Feel it my solemn duty to tell you what has been on my mind of late. That combination. You see, I took a lot of notes back then. Had literary aspirations and whatnot. I still have those numbers. Now, I know you're thinking, so what? 
and you'd be well within the parameters of reasons to think that. They always bothered me, but only recently have I looked at them again. I am well aware of the probability that this is likely coincidence, but strongly feel it warrants mention. 3112011 could be a date. It might be March 11th, 2011, which is the date of a tsunami in Japan. Also of interest is that the surviving locals reported strange sea creatures washed up. But Sean, this was 20 years ago. Well, it is time for me to confess, Sean. I had to carry on that clipboard on these runs, and the company required we obtain a signature in order to be compensated. I forged this one. Sadly, I didn't record the name and haven't been able to locate that neighborhood even after half a day on Google Maps. I did notice a faint cotton candy smell when I got back in the car and that it was cooler inside. I was never asked to return to this address. Just back from Cardiff, was looking into the incident there. Sadly, wasn't able to locate a single individual involved. Poked around the Barry docks a bit. Whispers of a gent fitting Jimmy's description bribing a man. Some character they called the Mad Dane. Claimed Jimmy paid him to take him to Norway. Something strange though, Mark. You wouldn't happen to have been in the UK last week. Forgive me for asking, it's just that... Found myself in a pub during my Welsh visit. Swore I saw you crossing the street opposite the pub. Ha! Nothing! Perhaps you've a doppelganger. The machine is on. 19 minutes to record. I dreamt of nothing, just like you said I would. But the thing about danger, Jimmy, is it sneaks up on you. There's no net at the bottom of this freefall, Jim. But something is waiting for you. Patiently, I might add. In no hurry. Time, as they say, is on our side, and you cannot understand salvation until it swallows you. How's your orbital speed, Jimmy? Delivery is a podcast distributed by Celebrity Tumor and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike International License. For information pertaining to the episodes, cast list and attributions, please visit DeliveryPodcast.com.